Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mikey Aaronworth, signing on to the Sign Off, a Frameworth podcast for yet another week. It is the forum for all the stories you didn't know you wished you knew about the world of sports and sports marketing. I am joined in studio side by side by my co-host and the president of Frameworth Sports Marketing, Brian Aaronworth. Brian, dad, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good, good to be back this week. You know what? I, I've come to cherish these uh, these interviews that we do because... Uh, it's the I mean, only time we spend together. I was going to say, you've been so busy, it's hard to get you in a room. Uh, I, you know what? You, people are going to find out i'm not even recording this this is just an excuse for you and i to, to have You're some a bot. Time. Yeah. yeah a bot oh there you go look at my dad using the big words i like that uh so we have a fantastic guest for us who i'm going to uh, introduce in just a second here before we do a little bit of housekeeping up front as you know at the beginning of most episodes we read a review that we've received through apple podcasts and we we give a little giveaway for there we're going to put out a call to action for another round of those reviews from which we're going to start drawing names for a signed 8x10 photo to give away. So all you have to do, if you're listening over uh, to us over on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, a review. We will pick randomly week by week and uh, potentially give away a signed 8x10 photo at no charge to you. What, what, what could be better? You're helping your favorite podcast and you're getting some free memorabilia off the top. Uh, but uh, enough enough of that housekeeping. We've got a guest who is uh, waiting in the wings here. Our guest this week is a man whose work you're familiar with, even if you don't realize it. He's the founder and CEO of Pro Hockey Development Group, a past director of hockey at the Hill Academy and served as director of amateur scouting for the Toronto Maple Leafs, as well as the assistant GM of the Arizona Coyotes. He's coached, drafted, scouted, and developed some of the most well-known players in the game today. Oh, and did I mention he also served as the head coach of the London Knights? Listeners of the Sign Off Podcast, we are joined today by Lindsay Halford. Lindsay, how are you doing? I'm great, guys. Glad to be on. Glad to be on. We're glad to be talking about, uh, to you this week. We actually have quite a bit uh, in the works between Frameworth uh, as, a, as a company and 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 your and your company, Pro, Ho- Pro Hockey Development Group, and some of the various tournaments that you put on, which I, I'd like to get into in a little bit. But off the top, it, it's quite an extensive description, which I just read out for you. A lot of professional accomplishments there. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? How did you get involved in the realm of hockey in the first place? Yeah, obviously, like most Canadian kids, I started uh, as a player. I grew up in Sudbury. We had an outdoor rink right by our house, so started skating that, got in, in involved in, in hockey, uh, played uh, junior hockey, university hockey, one game in, in, in Switzerland uh, in a pro league, and uh, then graduated university and and there was something missing uh that competitive nature that sports brings in i i uh was moved to toronto and i was uh driving down uh highway seven i was assigned for hockey coaches so i took the uh number down and, and called and uh then launched a uh, hockey career that lasted or coaching career that lasted i don't know upwards of like probably 15 years um and then was uh, fortunate to coach uh, junior hockey in Bramalee and Vaughn and then into the OHL with the London Knights and then the WHL with uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Um, and uh, came back and really just concentrated on my business after the three years in Lethbridge um, and kind of was, you know, more concerned about, uh, I guess, a little bit uh, stability from moving uh, from coaching um, and uh, started to put uh, time and effort into uh, pro hockey development, which is we're in our 30th year right now. So uh, got into that and and uh, grew the business. It was mostly uh, hockey schools and some summer teams, but we started to do uh, tours uh, and tournaments uh, in the, uh, uh, I guess, mid 2000s and uh you know that's catapulted the business to one of the largest uh the largest uh, hockey development companies i think in north america um but got back into uh scouting mark hunter the owner of the london knights and gm uh my son was playing at the silver stick and be, after the game he came down and asked me if i'd be interested in scouting um, I said, yeah, I tried out the rest of the year. So uh, at to work for him maybe for three or four months uh, going into the draft. And then uh, he asked me if I wanted to be the director of scouting. So we worked, I think, five years with London. We won four league championships of Memorial Cup. We went, I think we went to four, four Memorial Cups too. Uh, so it was a good run there. And then uh, Mark got the job in uh, 
Toronto as assistant GM and uh, hired me as a scout in Toronto. And that went on for about, uh, I don't know, three or four months. And then I was promoted to the director of scouting and uh, left Toronto for Arizona. And uh, that was my last gig. And it was uh, assistant GM there with, uh, with John Chayka, who was the GM. So yeah, that's kind of it uh, in a nutshell. You've balanced quite a bit over the years. I mean, you mentioned different positions. You've got scouting, you've got coaching, you've got CEO, uh, and 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 the list goes on. What positions do you currently hold? Because it seems like you've balanced a variety of them at any given moment uh, throughout your career. Is Are you just focused primarily on pro hockey development at, the, at this time, or do you still have some other gigs uh, in the wings? Uh, yeah, so I started a new company called Highlight Sports. Um, we do... Uh, video breakdown of uh, NHL players right down to minor hockey league players. Okay. Uh, we do camps there as well. Um, and then just kind of, you know, with some time off from the NHL, um, getting into some new, you know, even the, some broadcasting of uh, minor hockey, uh, new company, some NFTs uh, that we've, uh, that we've started, started building a rink in the Bahamas and Nassau. Um, have you taken have you taken a break since you saw no, this sign yeah. asking for coaches? What's what's I, going on? You're you're the one person who's come on this podcast who I think is making my dad feel like he needs to work a little bit harder. <laughs> I, I was going to say I'm like your dad. I don't think we do very well if we're just sitting around. So well, it's, a, I, it's you know, amazing you started you started you you mentioned uh, university you, you you sort of glossed over that uh, but but you graduated with political science and sociology degree uh, after uh, uh, you know playing a year pro in in uh, in, in Europe I, I believe you mentioned. Any of that, is there any of that that you bring towards your philosophy when it comes to the development of younger players now? Or is that just kind of like a part of your life that you're is in the past and you don't really think about it too much anymore? Well, there's lots of politics in hockey, but unfortunately there wasn't a course <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, yeah. that I took to uh, prepare me for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, university just shows you have ability to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think that and, and, and techniques on how to learn and time management, and how to organize your time. So that's all important things that you can pass on to players um, in hockey. But, uh, you know, just from any courses or anything, there's, there's probably lots, but none that have. It's so long ago that I was in university. Now that it's really hard to remember. And, and, and trust me, I, I, I probably matured like uh, since those days, uh, eons uh, since uh, since probably I guess that was being the eighties. So you've uh, you've right lived there. a few lives since then, it seems. Yeah, uh, but but each kind of leading into to one another, and and I mention as well all the roles and positions that you've held. One glaring omission from that list, maybe you've thought about this or maybe you haven't, is is agent. Is that something you've ever considered doing? I mean, you're working with a lot of younger players in terms of their development. Is there a reason why you've stayed out of that business or is it something that potentially is on the horizon for you? Yeah, interesting. I get that question quite a bit. Um, I work with a lot of agents, obviously, in this business. I you know, talked to probably three or four yesterday. But um, yeah, I, I mean, that's something if I probably would have started uh, Years ago, we did dabble in it. Um, I was with uh, Darren Ferris. God, okay. it would have been in, in the 80s. We started a company that was kind of uh, doing a, a bit of that. And then it worked with, helped out Mike Gillis at one time. Uh, um, and I was really good friends with Bob Goodnow, uh, still maintain that friendship. Um, and he was the director of the NHLPA. But it, in hindsight, if it would have been something that I probably had done and stuck with, it would have been... Uh, a lucrative career, but I was really focused more on the coaching and the, and the, I guess then transitioned into the management side. But no, uh, I like, I like that. Uh, Darren Ferris, a past guest on this podcast, would that have been DHG that you were a part of or what, what was that? No, was that? it was, it was actually called hockey prospects, but it was like, oh, okay. it was probably like 40 years, 30 years ago. Anyways. Yeah. It would, yeah. It would have been close to 30. Darren, Darren and I have been friends for like, I don't know, three decades. So, yeah. Yeah. Some different path. paths, yeah. but it seems, it seems like, you know, the world needs people involved in the development of, of players. We've, we've had guests on in the past, Stan Butler being one of them, uh, who, who have just been so integral in the formation of, of younger players, uh, some of whom 
kind of want a little bit of, of attention for having done that. And others are just kind of okay to be working behind the scenes and behind the curtain, as it were. Is is there an element that makes you kind of want to branch out? I, I noticed uh, actually kind of something interesting here in an article on your website, lindsayhofer.com. Uh, you're described as, and I don't know who wrote this, but uh, hockey's megastar, singular. Uh, why don't you explain a little bit about what that means to you? Hockey's megastar. Uh, are you kind of trying to branch out and become an icon there? Or what's, what's, what's your, what's your thinking? Yeah, I've never read that one before, but <laughs> I can tell you I didn't write it. And I can tell you my wife didn't write it. So, <laughs> do you know what, what yeah. uh, kind of amazes me is that we've only met over the last what month or so that we yeah. first came in contact with each other, and I'm, you know, I was just amazed when we had our first meeting, and I'm learning a lot today. And like I didn't do a lot of background homework on you, other than. Our first meeting blew me away with all the people you knew that I knew, mm. and you knew them even better than I do. Uh, going and and the one the people that you know, obviously you've been in the business for longer than I have. I think I mean I was started in '92 in this specific business, but then the people that I've met over the years, like Stan Butler and and various uh, players, etc. The the players that have come through your system that you know which is really cool we're talking about mitch marner paul marner as uh, uh is his father and we knew we know him very well we gotta get paul on the show too mm -hmm. and then the concepts and ideas which which was amazing to me because we think very much alike and you're talking about well we started talking about a whole new system for uh, i guess it's under highlight now is going to be for the tournaments but and we'll get into that but um, but then things like NFTs and, and concept that you have for that is, is really cool. So we think very much alike it. Yeah, it seems like it seems like pro hockey development kind of uh, uh, checks a lot of boxes and is constantly evolving just based right. on on the environment. Frameworth is very similar. I mean, I grew up working for this company, and every time someone asks me what Frameworth as a company is, the answer changes from year to year. As as it seems, pro hockey development might as well, given given what you've what you've explained there. And I do want to get into some of the tournaments that pro hockey development puts on, which is kind of how you, Dad, and uh, and and Lindsay got got in touch with one another. Um, let's let's move let's move from the the development a little bit and talk specifically about the Brick Invitational Hockey Tournament. Uh, this year, taking place July 4th to July 10th, initially began in 1990. You're at the helm of that. Some past players that have passed through this tournament, Austin Matthews, Tyler Ennis, Tyler Johnson, Steven Stamkos, Morgan Riley, Jonathan Taves, Tyler Sagan, P.K. Subban, um, a, a ton of names. What is it about a tournament like this that invites such talent? It just started off and evolved. So Bill Comrie uh, owned the Brick. And he had his kid, three kids, and I think they all played in the NHL. One was a, one's a goal. He played for Winnipeg this year. And we had him in actually Arizona when I was there. Um, and then he had the two boys that played um, one more. Mike played Mike, yeah. quite a bit. Um, and I, the, the other boy's name uh, slipped in my mind. But he started that tournament for the boys. So mm. I think, number one, it was in the venue. So it was in the Edmonton Mall, which was right. a unique kind of place to have it. And it was perfect for that age of kid. And then secondly, they got like, uh, they had it by state and province. Mm -hmm. So you had kind of your the best guys from uh, each state and each province coming and, and playing together. Um, and then you started getting a track record of guys that were going on to be stars in the National sure. Hockey League. And then it evolved like from a media standpoint and uh, kind of just, again, it just developed into, uh, uh, you know, kind of a life of its own. And I can tell you at the start when we started, it was, it was like, it wasn't like now, now it's an easy sell. We do a tryout, mm -hmm. we get like five teams, kids come out and try out. Back then you were like, trying to like, it was hard to get people to, in, you know, spend that money to go to Edmonton because right. it wasn't really known, but people just kept grinding um, and, and putting more and more into the tournament. And uh, Andy Wigson and Craig Styles are the two, the two guys that, you know, are the, the main guys that run it now with the, they got amazing staff uh, and they've just done a tremendous job of, of, of developing, developing that tournament to me where it surpassed the Quebec Peewee tournament now. And it's the top, the top uh, hockey tournament uh, in the planet for, for youth players. 
What, uh, what, when did Pro Hockey Development Group get involved? Was it from the very beginning or did you take over no, after we, a certain point? Yeah, there was a couple of Toronto teams and then um, we were probably, this might be like our 25th year now mm. going. So so it's it's uh, uh, kind of just ongoing with this legacy and now all of a sudden uh, Frameworth is, is becoming looped in. I know, Dad, you're pretty excited about some of the, the offerings no, and opportunities. We well, you know, it's interesting because when, uh, Lindsay and Anthony uh, first approached me. I, I was thinking, you know, we had uh, we had done a number of things for. Well, it, at our company, we get a number of NHL players that come in uh, because they know we do such a good job framing their their personal stuff, whether it's photos or jerseys, et cetera, et cetera, and they want it done right. Um, there's there's a lot of people without that expertise that do it, but. Uh, one of the things that I noticed was that a lot of the players come in here and we told the Rick Nash story. Oh yeah. Uh, one of our first yep. broadcasts about how we brought all his game worn jerseys from the time he was in Pee Wee, I think all the way up through his career. So he saved every one of them. And so, uh, we know that, that players, uh, even at the youngest level are, are hanging on to their jerseys just as a momentum, a memento. And uh, just like I did at my Wayne Gretzky fantasy camp, right. I kept every Jersey, <laughs> gave all the equipment away to underprivileged kids, but I kept all the jerseys. Sure. No one wants to wear a Jersey with Aaron North on the back. No, it turns no, out. No, they'll it, take your elbow fine. pads, but they're not only the good for me. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so I noticed that they're valued. Obviously they're valued. And the more uh, as time goes on, people start realizing how important they are. Then Lindsay and Anthony approached me um, through my brother's contact and said, we've got this idea because the kids want their jerseys. Right. And we think that, you know, they just go in a drawer or something. So uh, so let's let's work out a program. So, Lindsay, ex- explain your uh, your thought process there. Well, I actually think you put it best in, in, a, in a nutshell. When I went in and I saw in your office and all the pictures are all over the wall. Yeah, and you you were like you know you come in there and you look at one and be, you might you might not see a picture on your wall, you know I don't know a year two years whatever but I think you said it best when you said you look at that picture and it brings you right back to that spot it's a memory right and I think this is the same thing like you you you, you have a jersey you have it up on your it's framed and it's in your wall you see that it it enhances your life it gives you. Mm-hmm a special feeling when you look at it. I pulled my, my kids jerseys out from the brick team and it brought me back, you know, both of them like to, to those days. So I think that's what people really like appreciate about it. And I like, and I think that's, you know, Nasher loves hockey. I, I, I know Rick very well and I could see him like, just like looking back there and, and, and getting those feelings, uh, from that or, 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 you know, Sidney Crosby or these guys, they have some great, great accomplishments, but they got a lot going on too. So you go and you have something like this, a keepsake and you have it as presented um, in your house or your office or your cottage, wherever it is, it, it brings you back to those times. So it's something that's special. Otherwise you do, you tuck it away in your drawer and you forget about it. And then you pull it well, out you know, and you wish that you would have put it into that. Yeah, Nasher so. has like I think it's twenty one or twenty two jerseys that we framed in a special in his basement, and they're all lined up on the wall, so he can almost go down there and follow his the history, the progress that he's made through his hockey career, just in one room, just glancing around it, which is really cool. So one of the my favorite pictures of of in my office with all the celebrities and people that I met is is me playing peewee hockey for st luke's back in the day i never made any any very far in 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 hockey but that's one of my favorites it's me and this little kid in a uniform in the old hockey pose where you're leaning on your stick and brings back a lot of memories sure yeah great it does seem like it, it's important. You know, I, we can talk uh, all we want about the way that the world has changed in terms of, uh, uh, you know, developing younger younger players and maybe their attitudes or their willingness to accept discipline or something like that. Maybe one of the benefits is that, you know, we've, we've learned, uh, you know, having gone through that ourselves, that we should have kept a couple more keepsakes. And this is kind of what what that does, you know, show show some of the kids who are coming to these tournaments. This is this. This is almost like a kind of like when when dad you're talking about the Wayne Gretzky fantasy camps it's like this is almost what it feels like to be a pro and you give them that little taste of it and and have them say hey look 
you want more of this, you're going to have to keep working at it. Some, some of the kids, will, a number of them will become pros. So, Lindsay, maybe you can describe what we're doing um, because I think it's really exciting. Sure. We're really pumped here at our at our location, and we're trying to make it as convenient as possible for the parents and grandparents and that to, to have those mementos hanging. It's not just the kids. We're right. making photos and that available, but maybe walk through the program. Yeah, I think, again, it's like you look at what the pros are doing with their memorabilia. Now you bring it to the minor hockey uh, ages and you can take some of their memories and you can, wh- whether it be a pitcher or a jersey, um, and you can professionally have it framed. And Brian's been very gracious uh, with regards to uh, pricing that makes it affordable for families and obviously quality speaks for itself. So what we're trying to do is, is uh, past players, present players, give them an opportunity through uh, pro hockey highlights and framework to take some of these memories and uh, put them in, 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 a, in a special casing um, that they can be displayed um, in, in, wherever they would like. And, uh, again, just enhance their life and, uh, put some memories, uh, in places that they can see every day, I guess. And, to me, and I will say that the, the standard, which is really interesting, even when we talked, when, when Malcolm Spence came in, uh, and then even on this level with the kids, uh, I said to Malcolm, I said, you realize that, you know, signing with Frameworth, your product line that we're going to develop is going to look the exact same as Sidney Crosby's. So he's getting that at at 16 years old, he's getting that same level of of quality and look and feel as Sidney Crosby has because that's our standard. Well, with your kids coming through these uh, systems and the tournaments, they're going to have that same look mm-hmm. and feel. The framing is going to be the exact same as what I did for Rick Nash or Sidney Crosby for their homes. So they're going to get that standard and they're going to get the pricing that is we give the players obviously at a special discounted rate so that they can afford it and know that the product's going to last forever because it's framed right so at the end of the day what they have on their wall is going to um, have a standard of framing that that will be as good as what the pros get yeah, it seems like uh, it's just great all around. We're excited. We're excited about this prospect, uh, and and I'm I'm reminded before we started recording, Lindsay, we sat down. If you're watching over at YouTube, you'll be able to see uh, my dad and myself have a background of several jerseys and frames and things in the background. So memorabilia runs in our blood, obviously. And Lindsay, you mentioned uh, just behind me on my screen, we've got the skyline jerseys there that you pointed out. What did memorabilia or does memorabilia mean to you growing up? Were you a collector as a kid? Are you a collector now? I've got all my hockey cards. I was a huge collector. And you guys see it all the time when people come into Frameworth. They're like a kid in a candy store. I yeah. don't care how old they are. And you go back to like some of the, like I remember when the original six was, you know, just ending or those staring at jerseys of the California Golden Seals or the Pittsburgh Penguins. When I come right. back in, it just takes me back to those times. So for me, I'm like in the same vein that you guys are. Um, with regards to the memorabilia and capturing all that and, and keeping it all, um, you know, and I'm, I've, I've, I've never sold any of my cards. I'll pass them down to my kids. And, and, uh, that's actually how I learned, to count in some arithmetic and figuring out a goalie's, uh, average and all that it was <laughs> on like, and it was easy for me because it was something I wanted. And I would ask my dad and he goes, yeah, it was. So, you know, they're like, all that's the, the, the stuff that, uh, that you guys are doing is, is amazing. Um, I know the skyline, I was telling Brian, when I was in there, we did it, we're, we're, we're launching a new company in the winter skyline stadium series where tournaments for, uh, kids all over the, uh, USA in, uh, NHL centers and whatnot. Um, but I really, started to look at our tournaments and our jerseys and stuff too and wanted to and i think this goes to nowadays too because the kids are really into the swag and how things Mm -hmm. look and more so than probably we were everything was like you know wool or some cotton thing you threw it in the aesthetic means way more nowadays yeah. yeah shrunk yeah now it means more so we did our first uh we're doing our uh brick series tournament in in vegas and 
we did the whole skyline logo on the the front and i was telling brian i showed it to the parents and we were going to keep all the jerseys and uh and to have them just be used because it's just a one weekend and the parents saw the jerseys and every single person bought the jerseys oh wow yeah yeah so and it was it well, I didn't even really have a price. I just said, Hey, you hear it. And they like, they all wanted them. So it came right back. But that's where I think for, for our company, we, and with Frameworth, we want to put a little bit more thought into the jerseys for these special events. And then boom, the events over, they have something, our European tours, our, uh, destination tournaments that I call them. And even if they, like for the the brick this year um we made it available there's a big jersey switch at the end of the tournament so all uh 14 teams go on the ice and players switch jerseys with different teams so they oh, cool. they end up with one jersey on their team and a jersey from another team so we made it available that we now if they need extra jerseys we have people buying extra jerseys that they can switch because they really want to keep the two and that goes back to a guy you mentioned with steve stampos who had gave right. his jersey and he had contacted me years ago and said hey can you help me try to find this jersey who is his jersey now he's you know, one of the greatest players to play in the last you know, decade or so. And he's thinking about the, uh, his brick Jersey after he won That's Stanley fantastic. cups and stuff. So this so did you, did you have is, to call, did you have to call the person with whom he swapped? The I didn't even know. I just put it out to some people and I don't know what, uh, what where it there? ended up, but, um, well, hopefully lucky he kid got who got Stamkos's Jersey there, right? Yeah, <laughs> it would be great. I should have been keeping all those jerseys mm -hmm. well, you, at the end no, of it, but, but this is what I think what you and your dad are doing here is just so great because it actually gets the, could you imagine if something, you know, the Marners had a fire at their house one time and um, Mitch is, they were like, Paul was a big collector. He kept all Mitch's stuff, but luckily none of it uh, got destroyed. Some of it was damaged, but was able to, to bring it back. But um he was a guy that kept all this it means a ton to him so yeah um being able to keep it in the proper case and in the in, in, uh area where you can uh um have these things then you uh I, I think it's really special and people will really uh appreciate it down the and line. thanks to you lindsay we're going to make it so convenient. So when the people go, when the, when the kids go to the tournaments, there's going to be on, on site displays so that they can just literally scan a code, get to the website, get their Jersey frame without having to worry about taking it home, you know, looking for a place that can do it. Or a lot of them would end up here anyways, but at, at a higher price, cause they're bringing one at a time. So it's going to be, so look for it whenever you, for those uh, people are participating in the tournament yeah we've got five locations set up this week with all the samples uh that we offer um in all the five westwood chesswood scotiabank pond paramount and uh the uh sports village that's it so if you they're they're out up now as of uh the time of release that's the beginning of may well, or we so start, yeah it'll be friday there you go so so if yeah. you want to get a sense of what those look like you can uh, definitely go out and do that i want to talk a little bit more about about pro hockey development as a company uh it seems to be that that's sort of your your major push your major focus and has been since it was first established uh one thing that that i found really interesting on pro hockey development's website uh almost like a mission statement you state that your strength lies in the understanding of different stages that young athletes must progress through to reach their full potential, which is a big difference in terms of, we talked about potentially being an agent and just recognizing talent and, and trying to uh, sell that talent to other people. It seems like there's something much more nourishing and, and uh, that's required in, in what you do. Is that talent of recognizing the different levels and stages of a, a young athlete and how to nourish them properly? Is that something that was innate in you or something that you had to work to develop? I think both. I think there's a problem. I think I'm really process driven. Mm -hmm. So innately, I think that comes. And then obviously you've got to work on that process and, and develop it. And I, I see that, you know, the different stages, whether it's coaching or player development, like obviously foundational skills, uh, then tactical skills and team skills. Um, you can't really put one in front of the other, or you're going to have, you know, basically like building a house with a foundation. If you, 
if you're skimp, skimp on the uh, foundation, the house may look great, but it might going to fall down if right. any, you know, inclement weather or, or uh, anything presents itself. So it's the same with a hockey player. There's a process to, to, uh, to follow uh, in development. And then I find that right now there's so many different um, avenues for people to follow. And there's so many so-called experts out there that can, you know, hamper or help a, uh, a, a, uh, players uh development path um it's it's good when people have you know and that's where i think some experience comes in um is where people can rely on uh people that do have that experience that can kind of guide them and help them through the uh, navigate them through their their career and that's sure. where like paul would or and mitch would you know kind of lean on me then and it, you know i was lucky enough to coach Mitch since he was like a very young kid and then be able to draft him in London and, and watch him progress there and, and end up winning Memorial cup. And then, uh, being able to draft him in Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, was really special. And then I texted him yesterday and I just said, Hey man, you, you played like unreal the, that game. I thought he was by far the best player and it impacted the game. I hadn't put so that together. Levels. You drafted yeah. Mitch Marner twice. Yes, twice. That's fantastic. Yeah, cool. I didn't realize. You that. know what? I it, I talked to Paul Marner uh, after the game, the first game the other night, and uh, and he made it an interesting comment. I said, "Boy, Mitch played maybe one of the best games I've seen him ever play between the PK and the power play and and regular play." And and Paul said to me, "He says, yeah, he went London Knights on us, <laughs> so yeah. he dominated in London, right?" Oh God, he, he just did some amazing things there. And he just like, we had a great team, but he was the engine behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew right off the start in that game, I've seen him. I was telling Paul, we were talking yesterday and I said, I, I knew Mitch like in that game, I, I can saw, tell when his body and his mind are together and he's in the zone. And I knew right away he was in the zone, but it, we, the first game that he ever played for the Leafs was in London and it was like a rookie camp game. And I remember Mark and Lou were there and I Mitch, Mitch came out in the, uh, in the warm up, and I'm like, he's going to be terrible tonight. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, he is way too jacked up. And they're <laughs> like, they, they were like, they couldn't, they couldn't really believe it. And then we had heart monitors on all the guys. And of course, Mitch went on and he played like, he didn't have a great game. He played like two really kind of underwhelming periods and he came around a little bit in the third. And then everybody there, everybody was worried. I wasn't worried because I, I know how he is and um, came out that was dominant the rest of the tournament. But his heart monitor, his heart rate was like off the chart. So he was like just so pumped up, like over pumped up. Uh-huh. And for Mitch, yeah. It's like his mind and his his. It's got to be like when it's in the right place. Like he's to me, he's as good as anybody in the league, and he yep. impacts the game like as much as anybody in the league. So when he's comfortable and he feels like he's in a a good environment, and that's what he had in London, uh, like the sky is the limit. He can carry a team, and and people really in Toronto haven't seen what he's capable of in the playoffs. Because I was laughing that people say, "Oh, he's a playoff guy." I've seen him in playoffs, and he's he's dominant. He's just got to be once he gets in the right frame of mind, and and uh, still a very young guy too. And I think we saw he's there right now. Last night, I think he's he's got it all together. Yeah, yeah. As of recording, we've only seen game one. This episode will be launching after game two against Tampa Bay. If we're if we're dating ourselves a little bit, but uh, anyone who saw game one against Tampa Bay knows exactly what we're talking about here. And it does seem as though players kind of get to that point. You you said comfort, and that's it's such it's a word that I feel like most people wouldn't attribute to success in the NHL necessarily. They would probably more readily attribute being jacked up and being excited to success. You see, like a you know some of the players out there moving their skates a thousand miles an hour and 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 like their heartbeat off the off the chain. But it seems like you know you, you get to that veteran status. You've seen 
seen things in the league a little bit. You you have that extra little millisecond to give thought to something. And and I, I do agree. I think the entire Leafs core is, is demonstrating quite a bit of that uh, at, at the moment. Let's let's stick on Mitch for a little bit. You know, I, I again find it fascinating drafting him two times. I can't imagine there were too many scenarios in which that would have happened where someone would have had the opportunity to do that. When did Mitch Marner first come on your radar? When when did you first learn about him and, and were you were you immediately sold uh, or did it take some time? Yeah, I heard about him because I was busy coaching and stuff. So it was like probably I was on the ice probably with him when he was maybe seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was obviously right out of the gate an awesome player. But I mean, I was like, he's seven, eight year old, you know, this right. little kid, like, yeah, he's like obviously something's going on there. He's special. Um, but I started coaching him um in some spring tournaments. Probably when he was maybe 13, 12, 13. And I'm like, immediately I knew that this guy was seeing the game at a different level. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I, I use this analogy. Everybody else was playing checkers and he was playing chess. So that. he knew where the puck was going. He could see like he had like that 360 vision. Um, so I knew that he was there was something going on there and that cerebral part of his game was off the charts. And I, I hate to compare anybody to Gretzky, but that was the kind of a similar type of guy that maybe didn't have the physical, I, I don't know what attributes or the body to, cause Mitch, when we drafted him in London, I think he weighed like 132 pounds and huh. was like five foot seven. Um, his brother, Chris, I knew, and he was much bigger and Bonnie was tall. So, I knew that. Well, I shouldn't say I knew. I said I was hoping that he would he would grow, but uh, yeah, we we actually got him like twentieth overall in the, the draft, yeah. and he would it should have been obviously the number one pick. McDavid went the year before, exceptional status, um, and then Mitch grew and he he took off. And then when we went to the Leaf draft, there was uh, we got him uh, fourth overall. McDavid went first um and then uh eichel went second and then phoenix had the third pick and we thought they were going to take mitch um and uh we were kind of doing all the research to uh to kind of figure out where they're going but one of the guys who worked for me was golfing with one of the scouts on the other team and he let it slip out that they were taking strong mm. So I felt fairly confident we were going to get him fourth overall. And, uh, and yeah, so he was there. And obviously that was a huge pick for the Leafs because next year we won the lottery. Right. And we got Matthews. And then obviously suddenly you got the dynamic duo and then you're set for, you know, basically got a chance to win every year. You know, um, Obviously, you've had a chance to coach and see a lot of kids come in through the league, a lot of current players that have passed through your system, uh, and you've mentioned a few um, to me, and maybe you can mention a few coming up. But one of the things that I have to look at in my business is at what age are we starting to look at, at people? I always tell the story about how we how we signed Sidney Crosby at 15 years old uh, to uh, to an exclusive deal, and that's before he was in the NHL with Ramuski. Uh, it seems like more and more in my business, people are looking to the younger ages to make sure that they grab those guys before somebody else does. And sometimes that's it's it becomes a much bigger gamble. I mean, we just signed uh, Malcolm Spence to uh, to a long term deal because we feel he's going to be a, a great one moving forward, but he won't be in the NHL for four years minimum. So um, that's what we have to do in our league to stay competitive because McDavid went, you know, when he was in junior and, and, and a lot of other players. At what age do you kind of get a good feeling that somebody is going, that a player is going to pretty much be guaranteed to get into the NHL? I think from just the visual aspect there's some players that are just special um, for whatever reason. It might be the mental part. There might be the physical part. It might be the combination of both. So if you're just viewing, I think you can pick 
the obvious out, like a Wayne Gretzky or a Sidney Crosby or McDavid, um, Marner's, you know, guys like that. You could, you could, I think it's pretty safe gamble at, a, at you know, you could, you could even go like 10 years old. Okay, guys were tracking Bobby Orr at that time, but those guys are the superstars. Um, the other guys, it takes longer um, and more views. So I was like, trust me, I've made plenty of mistakes uh, in hockey uh, evaluation of talent over time, but I've always been very, very hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at it, why did I like this guy and where did it go wrong? And two things always came back to me. It was, it was number one, I didn't have enough viewings on the player. So an analytical profile of a player would take, uh, for accuracy would take about 12 games. So you could mm-hmm. get the analytical profile, right? So I trans kind of worked that back into the visual part. And I said, Really, you shouldn't have an opinion on a guy that's going to be overly accurate unless you have 12 games. Right. So that that was one, the viewing aspect. The second thing is you don't know the person's character or the grit component right. or the growth mindset that it takes to be a hockey player. So I started really getting into that and getting out of my comfort zone on the psychological aspect of it. Um, so to, to, to answer your question, some guys like – you could tell immediately, but those are kind of the, you know, Rare. the, I don't know, the, the, the superstar guys. And then other people, it's a process again, and it, right. it, it takes longer, but like Malcolm, I know Malcolm, I, I coached him as well. Like he's got everything that should, you know, um, make him a, a national hockey league player where he, fine, where he actually lands in that, you know, line one, two, three or four, who knows, Still got a long way to go, but I will tell you this: the kid has come from a very uh, great family, and he's a character kid, and was really, really coachable, and he made an impact on on me in the in the short time that I had a, a chance to work with him. So, I think he's he's a good one, and uh, one of the kids that we use, the Valentini kid, the 08 kid, is you know just a super kid that we we use some of his stuff with samples. There's the Nyman kid coming up uh, in the 08 groups. There, there are some great kids, Mavro uh, in the 10s. There, there's kids that are coming out in all these levels. Uh, Misa kid was always, reminds me of, uh, of Mitch Marner too. They're, they're kind of guys that you you go watch and you actually enjoy watching. I went to the mm-hmm. OHL Cup to, to meet Mark Hunter uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I was just popping in for uh, to watch a game and say hi to him and and then leave. And I ended up watching like eight games. I was captivated by the uh, the players and the amount of talent out there. And, and uh, yeah, I stayed there all the day and, and watch it. So it, for anybody who's like some of the GTHL hockey is actually uh, very entertaining and you can kind of get to see the kind of Mitch Marners and McDavid's of the future coming up. Yeah, there's great, there's great talent at all levels. Uh, I, I find it interesting, you know, especially going back to this idea of of uh, London drafting Marner. You mentioned he was drafted 20th, 20th or around there? Yeah, I believe, I believe 20th or around there. 20th or around there. And and I'm assuming at that point, you know, uh, you're having to convince the organizations to say like, hey, you know, we, we're going to take a chance on this guy or whatever. He deserves to be number one and he's not. Have, has it ever gone the other way where everyone is telling you that someone's going to be uh, great and you're not quite sure of it and it turns out that that they are? It seems like that's obviously going to be the exception, but is there any player that you weren't quite convinced of that ended up doing great things in the league? Uh, you know what? For some reason... I've been able to nail the kind of the like the guys that people are thinking, hey, this guy's going to be great. Yeah. And he's not. He doesn't mm-hmm. turn out. I've been pretty good at uh, at pushing, you know, those guys down our list. Um, I don't want to mention any names sure. of the players because yeah. it's not fair to them. But yeah, there. Yeah, there is always usually a lot of those guys are the guys that are just. Uh, there, I don't know if you ever read Moneyball, but um, oh, yeah. Yeah. the the baseball, like the Adonis, the the guy that looks like he should hit, you know, fifty home runs, and and he's got all the physical skills of uh, uh, or physical attributes that should make him uh, an athlete, but the mental components not there. Mm-hmm. That's usually what happens. 
Mm. That Moneyball, that's the story where Brad Pitt changed baseball forever. I think that's that's what happened in that one. <laughs> yeah, Brad's done a lot of good things. He's yeah, done a lot of good it, things. It, yeah, 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 in his life, he's a multi uh, faceted uh, talent. Yeah, yeah. What what about what about the other side of it though, where everyone is telling you someone's going to be great and you don't believe it, and then they are? Is has that happened? I, I no, not not real. I've never really had that. I'm like no, agreeable. I'm an agreeable guy. Like if someone's saying the guy's great, I'll go watch him. I'm like, yeah, I agree with him. So awesome. I don't really have anybody that I can say that I thought would be not a, you know, not a star and then turned out, um, at least not to my recollection. Well, so. Brad Pitt would love that. You're batting a thousand then. That's perfect. Um, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to then let's, let's shift a little bit and talk about uh, the pro hockey development group uh, because that is, it seems to be, as we mentioned, sort of at the core, we've kind of talked it around it a little bit. You've talked a lot about process and the processes involved in developing players. Why don't you tell us kind of grassroots, what is the pro hockey development group? Uh, how do people find you and what is your, what is your goal? Yeah, we've been around for 30 years. So we're, we're, Basically, we're known in Canada, U.S., Europe, and Asia. Uh, we have clients uh, all over the world. Um, our website's prohawk.com. Um, we do uh, tournaments um, in Canada, the U.S., Europe. Europe, obviously, in the last couple of years because of COVID, and then this year with the Ukraine-Russia uh, situation has not. We we pulled out um, of sending any teams there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess our tournaments are, we, we do, uh, three tournaments in Toronto. Uh, we do tournaments in Vegas, New York, uh, Charleston in two weeks, just came back from Nashville. Um, we started the brick series tournament that is a spinoff of, uh, the famous brick tournament in Edmonton mm -hmm. that, uh, most of the players, uh, great players, uh, in minor hockey end up playing on, um, yeah, so I guess we've got probably now close to uh, to thirty to forty events, uh, tournament events, and then we do eight weeks of of camps and and, and we do clinics throughout the year. And I think we have close to uh, seventy or eighty uh, spring teams. We just opened up a winter t uh, organization in, in Edmonton, uh, Pro Hockey Edmonton. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, we've got, uh, we're, it's, it's, it's far reaching now. My wife mm -hmm. does most of the uh, the day-to-day -day stuff. I'm more of the kind of get the idea. And, and Your uh, wife, uh, Vicky, right? Yeah, my wife, Vicky. And, yeah, we'll give and her a little shout out there too, yeah. The yeah, president's yeah. president actually of Pro Hockey Development Group. Yeah, yeah, she's the president and she fields most of the, all the calls and, and whatnot. So she's right now probably the busiest person on the planet. Cause I've got, I've got to get that, that formula, you know, because um, you're kind of like me, you got more ideas than you can deal with, but then I can get, keep getting bogged down with doing all the legwork too. So I'm trying to find people to do that for me and develop all the ideas as quick. Cause with all the things that you have talked about and done and re more recently, what we're working on, which we'll get into, um, for all those things, you just don't have enough time. Like, and especially for me, I'm trying to take it a little easier, but like I said, I, I, I try and get out and they keep pulling me back in, but it's the same with you. I mean, I hear all the things that you're doing, but you have to have a lot of good people around you to run all those tournaments. I know we talked with Ant, about uh, this with Anthony and uh, the different people around you to develop all these ideas. And if you end up going from one place to another, trying to develop them, you got to have people to follow up for you. So yeah, otherwise the, you can't do it all. Art of delegations key. I've been good to delegate, but you got to have the right people. And I've been lucky too. Like there's guys working for me that I coached since they were little. Now their kids are coming through and I'm coaching their kids and they're helping me. So that's right. really gratifying. And I, I find that more than anything. And the older I get, I guess it probably when I was younger, I hate to say it, but it was probably more about me and my career and pushing forward that right now it's the kind of transition less about that and more about relationships that, uh, I was able to forge with, uh, that people that are like basically last a lifetime. So, um, and I think like you said, Mike earlier, that's like that, many lives you live yeah you go yeah. decade by decade and you evolve as a human being and you look at things through a different lens all the time 
Um, well, and- how about how about this then? How about uh, uh, what what has changed in terms of the advice and direction you give to the players who who you're you're working with based on you know when you when you started when you were younger versus versus now? Has has any of your advice, whether it's on ice or just life advice in general, has any of that changed tonally, or 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 does it stayed relatively consistent? Well. I- God, like I always like now people are so much different than they were like kids and whatnot right. and coaching them and stuff that like everything is like so much. I don't know if I say the word softer, if that's a bad yeah. thing or whatever, but Paul Mason said the same thing when we interviewed him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more like kids are a lot more. Uh, I don't know. I guess their feelings are. I think our parents, when I was young, they made you kind of repress your, like, don't sure. cry, don't do this, don't do that. I, I guess that's more encouraged nowadays. But um, I don't know. I mean, some of the stuff you, you can, like, the, the simple facts, like, worry just about what you can control. Mm-hmm. And those things, like, this first one is the effort that you put into anything. Right. And, I mean, look at your dad. Like, your dad's very successful, but your dad's up at the crack of dawn and he works, like, countless hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so that number one is without that, you're not going to be successful. So that's to me, the secret to success and then working smart, having ideas that you can, um, that you can follow through on. And I think another thing that is huge that I think that, that, um, that people that I've dealt with that are successful, um, and people that I think could be successful, but they lack one thing and that's people that are averse to risk. Mm. If you're not yeah. willing to take a risk ever, a calculated risk, it's very, very hard to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one thing that I've never, and that my personality, I've never been the guy that you just wanted the nine to five job and the pension and stuff, which is great for some people. I don't, but for me, it wasn't. Um, so I always had to take some risk and I had to put it on myself and I had to grind through things and some things work, some things don't. And I just moved on and learned from anything that didn't and kind of enhanced the things that did. Well, that's great advice too. And, and I, you know, I never really thought of it that well, I, I guess I have in any business, any entrepreneur, one of the big factors is risk because you're always thinking of something and you got to implement it. And sometimes it doesn't work. And throughout my career, it hasn't worked in a number of occasions. So part and parcel of being an entrepreneur and taking the risk is having a thick skin Mm -hmm. and getting through those times where it doesn't work. And sometimes it can be devastating getting back on your feet because I've had businesses that, that have been close to bankruptcy and getting back on board and getting, you know, finding a way to get back to where you need to be. So risk is one thing and, and persistence and, and fortitude is another thing. They go hand in hand, right? How do you, how would you, how would you measure or temper that advice when it comes to speaking to kids about how to play hockey? I mean, risk is something that has to be balanced when it comes to actually playing the game. Is there any element of that advice that you use with their on ice play? Like how often is taking a risk necessary. How often do you need to taper that back? How do you, how do you uh, advise them on that? And that goes back to foundational skills. So mm-hmm. you're going to have uh, Matthews or Marner that are going to be able to make a play in, in a risky area where there could be a turnover, right. um, but the payoff is going to be much better for them. And then you're right. going to have some grinders that they're dump and chase guys. And if they start trying to play like Marner and Matthews, not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. They're going to be down in the minors or out of hockey. So number one, you got to know yourself and you got to know your, your strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, I was like the, like the SWOT analysis is always to me, something that people should really, you know, be hard on themselves, but be educated about themselves and mm-hmm. know what your strengths and weaknesses are, know what the threats are out there for you with your personality. What are some opportunities that you can, you know, that you can, you can work on. And, and, and to me, that's just the same as hockey, know what you're, you're good at, know your game, and then um, continue to work on, on both your strengths and weaknesses. And I think any, anything that you, uh, I always like, and athletes from other sports, I've always been big on, 
on on watching and, and looking. But I think Michael Jordan, I always tell like even players like Mitch when they're when they're because there's not a lot you can do with Mitch's game because mm-hmm. it's like close to like these top guys. We've worked yeah. with them. There's not a ton. It, it's and what we said about the mental aspect of it. It's just the getting them to peak. Um, but they're so good that they're you're not going to recreate the wheel. Um with with any of them um but you look at a guy like jordan and he started his career and i think he was rookie of the year when he came in the nba but he wasn't really a great defensive player so what's the guy do he builds a gym he hires some coach to work with him all summer and he comes back and he's like now defensive player of the year right like these are the guys to me that like you know that have that take the game to the next level and that there are guys that everybody can, and that's the beauty of sports. Because I think a lot of the lessons you learn in sports are are uh, translatable to business, to school, to to anything that you do. And there's people that are icons in in all different areas of life that you can grab lessons off and and, and watch and and uh, and learn I was- from. I was going to ask that actually, because, uh, you know, when you're dealing with younger players, younger, younger people in general, of course, you want to make them a better hockey player. But is there a balance that you try to strike between on ice and just their 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 personalities in terms of growth? Or is it more, hey, by teaching you these premises on the ice, it's like a reverse Mr. Miyagi, like you're going to be teaching them how to do the sport and that's going to tell them how to live their lives outside of the rink. Do you do you explicitly tell them here are some life skills, learn them outside so that you can bring them to the rink or what's that balance like yeah i think at the the the, the Miyagi thing's a great correlation mm-hmm. i wish i had his patience i would like <laughs> you're not catching uh, flies with chopsticks these days not, no? not lately okay. the, uh, <laughs> but uh yeah like to me it's just like i get young guys so i'm coaching to uh, a 2011 2012 team and i can see the kids that are really focused mm-hmm. and when you're talking at the board you're explaining it and it's sinking in and i can see the other guys that are you know their their heads like eyes are rolling back of their heads and they're like thinking about 10 different things right um and it's just a maturity thing but i think like for me just to impress upon those kids is that hey you're not going to get better if you don't take these opportunities to learn and concentrate and you know i really find nowadays like some of the kids are like actually they're overtrained like mm-hmm. they go from one game to one to a practice to a game, and they're they're like spreading themselves so thin that the kids are exhausted and they're not getting the most out of the training right. so and yeah i meant to mention that before too when we were talking about like some things as success it's like working hard but it's also working smart i think sure. working smart especially in athletics um, well, probably anything, it, it's so important. And, and that needs to be impressed upon people because sometimes less is more. And yeah. sometimes one step backwards is two step forwards. Um, and so your dad said he had some companies that were on the verge of bankruptcy that went you know, on to you know, do some amazing things. And you see that with a lot of entrepreneurs or you hear stories of some companies where the guy, I think it was FedEx, the guy was down. He actually went to the casino and he had like his last five grand and he threw it down and and and, and made a little bit of money and back invested <laughs> in the company. Now it's like a billion dollar like. But that guy was on the verge of like <laughs> complete extinction. But yeah, shows it character. Yeah, it's I, I I love that as well. You know, not not enough people are are kind of promoting the idea. It's it's huge in in the athletics community now of of how important resting is, like dedicated rest days, so you can absorb everything you've been learning. Otherwise, you're just saturated with too much information, and there's nothing you can do. We're coming up on the end of our hour, and we don't want to keep you waiting too much longer. We appreciate all the time we've given us. Clearly, you're a very busy person, so we'll let you get back to the <laughs> 900 jobs you got to do today. Uh, but uh, once again, if you're curious about anything we've been talking about here, you can find uh, uh, Pro Hockey Development Group prohawk.com p-r-o-h-o-c.com at prohockeydg on twitter uh lindsey anything else that you want to send people towards anything you want to put on people's radar in the coming months no just uh enjoy the process enjoy enjoy the journey of hockey people don't be too focused on the the end goal enjoy every day because i always my dream was to play in the national hockey league and it didn't work out but i actually ended up in the national hockey league so it's, you know, there's different roads to get there. And, um, you know, that's, I, that's one thing that I'd leave everybody with who's watching the podcast. Um, 
enjoy every day and 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 the families and the friends that you meet and the experiences that you can gain from uh, playing this great sport. Um, and uh, great you know, advice. you guys do you do a great job of uh, of sealing those memories and and, and things that uh, people can uh, cherish their whole life. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, and and more on that. Actually, we we said uh, pro hockey at pro hockey DG on on Twitter, and if you're a part of the mailing list, if you're if you're listening to this, uh, definitely check them out because we're going to be doing some giveaways uh, in in combination between Frameworth and Pro Hockey Development Group. Uh, some some jerseys and photos that are going to be going out there, and all you got to do is make sure you've rate reviewed, liked, subscribed to the podcast, uh, and a lot of that information is going to be going out via social media. So make sure you're following both at Frameworth yeah, Sport on Twitter. We talked a lot about Marner. We're going to give away at least one Marner signed jersey. There you and, go. And a bunch of other products uh, for people relating to this podcast and Pro Hockey Development. But the only way you can find out is by checking them out and, and keeping an eye on their social media. We'll have more information on that coming soon. Uh, Lindsay, once again, we appreciate your time so much. Uh, really looking forward to this uh, tournament and the partnership that we're growing here. Uh, so once again, for Lindsay Hofford, uh, Brian Aaronworth, President of Frameworth Sports Marketing, and myself, Mikey Aaronworth, host of the Sign Off Podcast. This is us signing off. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadu Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers, Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is my Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Yeah.